All right, I am starting a new recording. This one we have to take seriously and pretend that now we've had a week of experience with this. Oh, that's the problem because I was actually taking the last one seriously. Oh, no. Which is, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know if you're feeling regret right now. I would feel regret right now. Welcome to Animal Noises. This is a podcast about furry culture. My name is Ringer. Uh, I'm Pat. This is the most scripted part of the entire podcast. And that I'm the hyena. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's me. Yeah, you're a hyena. I'm a hyena. Person. Oh gosh, uh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know that when we started this. Yeah, here we are. Oh, no. Uh, it's gonna go good. Do you? How would you feel about being something else though? Like just for my sake. Uh, I don't know, like a striped hyena, or do you mean like a like an aardvark? Yeah, an ard. Go with aardvark. Yeah. Wait, no, it's an aardwolf. No, too late. Oh no, <laughs> I'm not gonna do. No, that's there. There's lots of different hyenas. People don't know that. That's the whole podcast. It's just gonna be about hyenas, and I'm really, I'm really excited. Well, now that they're not listening anymore. <laughs> oh, again, we did that again. Yeah. So, Path, you were the one. I'm going to just throw you under the bus on this. You were like, here are the things I want to talk about this week. And I said, okay. Oh, because there's, there's two big fantastic topics in the fandom right now. Yeah. And they're basically obsolete now. They're basically, hopefully obsolete. Like it's gone through its 24 to 48 hour period cycle. So these I were the big wanna... news last week. So we're, we're getting on this just in time. <laughs> Later, we'll be talking about fidget spinners. Oh, that's a new trend that's going on. Yeah, like, that's right. All the kids are into it. Yeah, you know, I just learned what a hot take was like a week ago. I always thought that a hot take was like, I'm a journalist and I cynically am telling you that I have to write this thing right now. Without looking it up at all, my interpretation of what a hot take is, is when somebody just like reads a single article and it's like, here's what this means without doing any further research. Basically, like what I'm doing right now uh, about the term. So it's kind of a meta hot take on hot takes but it's it's yeah i wouldn't consider it an informed opinion generally because otherwise it would be called an informed opinion right it would just be an article or a good point but now this is a hot take which specifically means like i read what you said and i feel angry inside it's not even it's not necessarily an anger thing i don't think but it is a thing that elicits a reaction and the reaction is not necessarily strictly based on logic. Yeah, an emotional reaction yes. would that be? That's, That's the correct one. Imagine. Imagine that. Did you know that that tends to be a thing in the furry fandom? Emotional reactions. Yeah. Are you saying that furries are not always entirely well-informed and educated about what they immediately start writing about? I don't want to go that far. But what I do want to say is I think we have... A history of feeling beaten down uh, not necessarily as furries although that certainly applies but just like as people uh, I think the furry fandom in general is kind of a haven for people who who feel in some sense as though they're they're sort of outcasts in in certain ways uh, and maybe it's I think it's evolved from what it used to be but even with that there's this kind of overhanging feeling of that fandom too and, and the younger you are the closer you are to that yeah to that that's feeling. true 
So it's both a, a fandom of people who feel as though they've been sort of victims in, in some sense, and also people who haven't uh, had the time to mature emotionally yet. Um, this feels like a hot take, even as I'm saying it. <laughs> there, there you go. Well, I think you want to disclaim that by saying this is a lot of the younger demographic and not necessarily all the younger demographic, but I mean, no, 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 no. This is, this is sort of a, a very, very, very general uh, overview. And that's not to say that it applies to everybody or even most of the fandom most of the time, but there are, there are very vocal people in the fandom are that way, I think because of sort of this. And especially when you're on social media, there's, there's even less of a leash. So you can just kind of like, Go nuts. <laughs> Go nuts. Yeah. There's this there's is, not much of a repercussion for it usually outside of like sort of social reaction from other people who are right following you. Right. And they're yelling at you with their cute animal icons. Yeah. Like just going nuts. Yeah. It's a little bit surreal. Amazingly adorable icons. Right. It's, it's, the, it's the best thing ever. Why uh, is this fox so mad at me? Why is this cute little fox so mad at me? It's just saying, yep. But what it's actually saying is like you are destroying America. You're the problem with American society. Like you're you're killing us all. Right on both sides. <laughs> on both sides. Yeah, and this is uh, this is the first time I think probably in almost all of history where so many really young people can have a ginormous platform and megaphone based on building up a following through some alternate means, such as like I have a really cute fursuit, or I'm actually really funny. Yeah. So you get these followers, and it is actually like I'm. I'm glad for that. I I am not of the opinion that these people don't deserve to have an opportunity to to state their right. opinions. Um but I think it's also it can be dangerous, especially uh people who who tend to have a lot of followers uh have a lot of people I think who are just really excited to get to know them and as such uh will sort of toe the the line of that person's viewpoint in hopes of kind of winning their favor. Possibly that. I mean, you could also follow people because you think they're just a great train wreck, like super lots of fun train wreck. Yeah, but there's I mean, there's there's going to be some of each, right? Like, yeah, nobody is 100 percent getting followed just because everybody who's following them wants to see what happens when the train reaches the right. bridge. That and it is. Out. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think my my ultimate point was like people are not and this in this particular moment and, and the tools we have for social media, we're not rising in voice because we make good opinions right we're rising in voice for all kinds of reasons oh yeah the sum of which is you have a megaphone right possibility with that like there's a perceived like you should be careful with what you say because so many people are going to hear it mm -hmm. yeah and, and you have to think some of those people are like 15 16 years old and they might be forming opinions based on yeah what sounds really good and a lot of these folks are persuasive i think it's also difficult because sometimes uh something can be perceived as genuine because the sarcasm isn't necessarily evident due to either the inability to really format sarcasm in text or just a lack of context. There's a lot of that. I mean, it's, it's hard too, because if you're dealing with evolving issues that just happened, it's difficult to research. Like, I don't think we have a good journalism wing in the fandom necessarily, who's going to go and go find great facts and present them in a way. I mean, we have some sources, but they tend to be either entertainment based or heavily agenda based. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's tricky. 
like what are you what are you gonna do except for go twitter search yourself and that's well and it's it's especially difficult then when the issue at hand is is purely a furry one or exists almost entirely within the furry community because how are you supposed to get reliable information you have two sides shouting that the other side is lying and saying that what happened didn't happen and then you you find you know perhaps a news source and then that news source is skewed so you still don't have necessarily a reliable view of of what's actually going on so it's very difficult to form an educated opinion and then we're back to hot takes right I, I think what's neat with a lot of the the furry issues is they're not furry. They're present as furry issues because we're dealing with them as furries, but they're much larger. Right. Like you get you get the whole like Nazis in the fandom, like the whole right wing thing. Yeah. Like crazy fundamentalist right wing. Uh, not not conservative, not Republicans. Right. The actual crazy people. And right now the right is the one creating like the most loud crazies. Mm-hmm. And so that seems like, you know, we have issues in the fandom do but those issues are actually in every subculture right now like every other sub fandom is dealing with it and trying to figure out how to handle it in their own ways so are we able to look at what's happening in those other fandoms and take notes are people doing that sometimes if if you cross fandoms if you know how to navigate those areas because like furry is difficult to navigate if you're not a furry right so you'd have to be like a brony to really navigate and get into their politics Mm -hmm. and how they're saying everyone's got their own their own words, their own influencers, their own yeah vocabularies. I mean, it's just you can, uh, and and you kind of get those bridges sometimes. Mostly, what I've been able to get out is that it's not just furries. Um, I think we're dealing with it in a pretty good way. The response has been pretty great, mm-hmm. I think, to speeches or to hate speech or systems of hate. But I don't know exactly how other fandoms have been dealing with it, except to say that they're dealing with it too, right? Right. I think it's it's a strange sort of newish thing that we didn't realize was going to become an issue. And now we're, I think, trying to cope with the fact that it is an issue while also trying to figure out how to make it not be an issue anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's why the fandom's having such a hard time with it is like you want to have your normal response. Like every fandom has its own immune system mm-hmm. to what normally happens in its society. So this thing happened and when it did, like people are making comparisons to like all these other past big fandom movements. Like you get your burned furs way back when. And most people don't even know what that is anymore. Um, I barely know what that is because I came in just after that mess. I know of it, but I don't know the details behind it. Uh, and that actually probably has more to do with the debate over how much sexuality should be in convention spaces mm. or in the fandom itself. That's really what burned furs was was primarily about. I don't know if we have in our entire history something like um, the weird emerging kind of hate space. And part of that is because we never had this much connectivity. So it required at that time so many people that it would make a noise in a regional sort of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So now that you can get like 250, 300 vocal people, you can create a lot of noise with, with just that. But I mean, we, we just we're using our normal immune system response to what is a really extraordinary event. And so you saw a lot of confusion and mixed reaction. Like I thought we were a tolerant fandom and maybe we're not like, should we, should we be nice to people? Should we, and we're trying to figure this out. And then finally it's just transitioned hard to probably the opposite end of where you want. Like now you have your call out culture, you have um, basically name and shame. You have screenshotting people to all get out. Sure. Uh, 
and and uh, these tools are aggressive and maybe sometimes appropriate depending on who your who your target is because this is a pretty aggressive strain coming in uh and i'll talk about it like a virus because it sort of is like a virus um so we're having this extreme immune system response to a societal impact and it, that's it's weird to see right it's interesting to see and it's made twitter painful to kind of follow because that's there um and from <laughs> convention organizing committees like are all dealing with hours and hours and hours and hours of talking about what probably amounts to five or six people for a convention space right yeah it's it's so few people that are creating so much work for really the most conservative spaces in uh the furry political sphere which would be conventions because that's where the money is right that's where people are actually putting up their money and their time and and material goods to try to have a space for people. I mean, this this has had an impact this year. Like I, I've never seen. Like we said before, it's it's kind of a new thing for everybody to try to figure out how to how to address. And you're right. I think there's a the initial fact that it even happened, um, that there is that kind of uh, hate within the fandom. Not necessarily because those people are furries first and foremost, but because they they happen to subscribe to those beliefs and they also happen to be furries mm-hmm. has left us sort of reeling and trying to figure out like what do we do now and that's a really frustrating position to be in because like everybody, especially right now, I think everybody just wants to be able to go to an event and unwind, and it's become impossible to escape this. From the outside, from I'd always found like going to a convention, it, you just barely see it. I mean, the most impacted convention probably besides clearly RMFC, right? Yeah. Which has the unfortunate geographical location of a lot of this going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think BLFC took a, a lot of hit with this because there were six or seven very aggressive sort of sort of members right. who went in and did their thing. and probably more important than those six people because they don't actually do a lot. They just kind of provoke, right? The whole point is to provoke. Uh, But the response was um, largely social media, making a lot of sound about it. But if you went to BLFC, barely saw it for the most part. Some people got a more intimate view, but most people barely saw it. I think that's true for conventions in general. Like social media has its own perspective of how crazy or awful or messed up a particular event is. And then if you're at the event, like you have no idea that's going on because it's fine. I think that just points out to like how important social media is to a lot of our everyday lives Mm -hmm. because it sort of casts this shadow over you when you read it. And then you have to try to kind of go about your day, but having this information in the back of your head. And I think, I think like you said, when you're actually at the con, you're not necessarily aware of, of this stuff happening and I think part of that is because you're somewhat more isolated from social media because you're so busy with other things that are going on. Mm-hmm. But when your experience with with the fandom or or with life especially is is mainly through social media, it really tends to kind of shape your viewpoint of things. It frames the whole world. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely does. Well, I mean, it's I, I think you can you can go one level up from this and just talk about like kind of politics in general and the world news like all of the stuff that's happened has not like impacted me on a day-to-day level at this point, but it's still like there, like looming just, it feels gross. It feels gross. Yeah, that's, that's a great, yeah, that's the perfect way to describe it. So like, 
even though nothing has actually changed in my immediate life, like my routine is the same as it has been. Mm-hmm. Everything is is fine right now. Mm-hmm. There's that there's that looming like worry that something could go horribly wrong and then it's broken. Yeah. No, it's definitely the case. And uh, this is another instance where the phantom's dealing with a thing that is wider than itself. In this case, it's not even just other sub phantoms. You're talking about Charlottesville at this point. So this is a national sort of thing. I think today's story um, was the New York Times running a profile piece on a Nazi sympathizer, right? And then they wrote it and they couldn't get any good information, but they still pushed the piece out. So all it did was like kind of make this person kind of like a person with really gross views uh-huh. and just kind of give that a platform, well, <laughs> uh, which which just made everyone really angry, Yeah, um, which is too bad. For, I, I actually was kind of looking forward to an article like that because I really want to understand what the mindset was. But even the author of the article was like, I can't get to it. Like there doesn't seem to be a reason for this. Yeah, that that I can see how that would leave you feeling very unsatisfied because like it didn't have the key piece of information that you were looking for. Yeah, you want to know why? <laughs> like what? What happened to you that this seems like the right way? Right. And so it seems like from our little microcosmic experience with um, the Raider group that as people, well, I think bigger than them actually, it's like your your old furry types. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when we see people leaving that group and kind of reassimilating, it almost always comes to these people don't really believe this. They just they're so alienated from mainstream that this was a group of people who were a place to go to that you'd feel accepted. And that was such a big thing for them that they they took that. And this group, the most powerful thing about the old furry group is that they take stances that are so hated and so resented that there's so much powerful oppression coming down on them that it strengthens that group. I mean, you're always, if you're trying to build a cult of any kind or a group of any kind, one of the most powerful uniters is being surrounded by people who don't like you. And that's probably what unifies this group is just that they, they specifically take a stance that is so disliked by nearly everybody that it, it keeps that group a little cocoon of safety and where you can just echo chamber yourself and make it make sense. Well, right. Yeah. By getting you to buy into that belief, they make it so, so that you know, you're putting yourself at odds with everybody else out there and they're the only ones then who you can feel safe around. Yeah. And it really feels like a cult, and especially when it, you know, if you go in there and you say something, maybe you don't believe, but it's, it's ringing true with their values that they're espousing. You get a lot of positive feedback, mm-hmm. right? And, and if you, if you try to make sense, somebody will argue you down, right? And so that makes that group very cohesive, cohesive within itself. Um, but as people are leaving it, they're leaving it with sort of a take of, uh, you know, they'll find somebody who just talks to them to the point where they feel accepted by society. Right. And then that kind of works out for them and they kind of leave. And of course the group just destroys them, uh, internally because that's a heretic to that, to that group. It's almost like a a particularly virulent religion. Like it's, it's, it's such an odd, I guess, framework of, of belief system going on. And I, I'm curious to know the psychology. I so I'm, I'm so curious to know what the psychology is of somebody who got in, who changed what they believed. Why did they do that? And then got it. I'm sure there's a couple true believers in there because someone's got to lead the thing. Yeah. But I, I, I'd love to. I'd love to understand like what happened to you that this made sense suddenly. 
you're not going to get that. Till you wonder if it's like you said, um, it's hard to say whether they were they ended up in that group because it was the only place they felt accepted, which I think is the case for a lot of people. Uh, maybe it's a, a, a family thing. They were they were raised in an environment where that sort of thinking was prevalent and that's how they ended up where they are now. Yeah. But those are both like really difficult things to to break yourself of. Like oh, yeah. Especially the the latter when you've when you've grown up being convinced that a certain thing is right, like and you're not interested in finding out whether that is truly accurate, like what are the odds somebody's going to be able to convince you otherwise? Yeah, and you'll see this with um the anti-vaxxing movement too. Like it's it's such a there's almost like an algorithmic uh, I guess pressure on society now where if you, if you have a group of people who believe something that's wrong, it doesn't matter as long as they continually link to each other and they're wrong. Oh yeah. Because Facebook will push to you articles that other people who believe the thing you believe have enjoyed. Right. So these articles are written to make to look like they make sense. Right. And if that's all you're reading is like these articles that are telling the truth where everyone else is lying to you and all your friends are telling the truth and everyone else is lying to you. What you've done is just created a little cocoon around the small minority of people who believe something that's wrong. And at that point, you've invalidated any truth outside of it. You're not going to listen. These are lies. You guys don't understand. It's just kind of the way it's a cultural evolution. That's what we're going through right now is this weird cultural evolution as we adopt social media where the platforms are taken away from a national company or from a large central point that kind of like dictates like some kind of ethos that's going to go out. We've taken that's gone. Now it's whoever has a platform and the algorithms and the algorithms aren't written to create hate speech or stupidity or ignorance. They're written to make you feel good about your use of that platform. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times those two align. That's true. Like if you don't, if you like something that that sucks, it's going to make you feel good about liking something that sucks because it wants you to stay in that platform because you said you liked it. So it's like, hey, I want to make you happy. Yeah. And here are other people who also like this thing that sucks. Yeah. They want to build a community. The whole point of these systems, build a community and keep you happy. So you'll keep using it. Mm -hmm. And that's weirdly nothing. And that sounds like such a beautiful dream of an ethos until you realize that there's nothing about truth in there. There's nothing about uh, creating bridges to things you might not believe in. Uh, and there's nothing about understanding why. And this is, this is sort of something that we've come, I guess as life's gotten more complicated and it's just like a modern society sort of thing, but we don't know why things happen. Like, I don't know why my car drives. I put a key in it and it turns and it goes, and I kind of have an idea for what sounds mean, what thing broke in my car, but I don't know what it did. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same with a lot of truth we accept. And so wait, we may think someone's stupid because they're an anti-vaxxer, but if you challenge yourself to think about a lot of the scientific principles that you just adopt and accept, you don't know why it's true. You just adopt and accepted it. Just like these people adopt and accept this other false reality. The difference is if we did our research over here in, in like academic, mostly proven land, for the most part, most of what you believe will have some kind of truth that you can get to a fundamental reason for that you could prove on your own if you put enough time and energy into it. But the things they believe, like if you're, if you're in a sphere that is not true, you couldn't reproduce that and you have to take it on faith, but nothing in that system and that, that system of social media, like pushes that, pushes that in. Right. And so, right. I don't know, I guess to bring that back to fandom, it has the same effect. Like you have the list of people that you listen to and talk to, 
And if you, what's more important than the reality of what someone's saying, how true it is, what's more important than that is how much do you like this person? If I like you, I'm going to take what you say on faith. And that kind of gets around to what you're saying earlier. Like when you're saying like, if I'm following somebody who's very popular and I see they're getting a lot of positive recognition and I want a lot of positive recognition and I want to fit in, I don't care about if they're right. I just want to be liked, right? And that's some of what's going on. And you're not going to have the opposite side retweeted into your feed. You're just going to get retweeted into your feed what the people you follow retweet. Right. The only, yeah, the only time it crosses over is if somebody you follow uh, retweets something they disagree with and then adds an additional commentary on it as sort of an invitation to like dogpile onto it. It makes a big mess. It makes a big mess. And, and so we've got to somehow, I don't know. And I think this is just a cultural evolution. We just have to get used to it. We have a new tool. It's big and it's dangerous. When we invented the nuclear bomb, we had 40 years of trying to figure out how to make this new aspect of society work with day-to-day life and it had just implications up and down right like right up until the cold war and now those implications are creeping back in but you have that with social media because it changed who your community is who your friends are uh who your family is sometimes and who your truth comes from and so we don't we don't value right now critical thinking we don't value thinking about something for a long time, because if you did that, no one cares about what you're talking about anymore. Like your opinion's only valid for 48 hours before nobody really cares. Social media and the internet made it much, much easier to just find people who agreed with you for better or worse. For better or for worse, yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's a heavy thing, right? Because you, you wanna be able to kind of like find solutions to this and and try to unify everybody, but it's so deeply rooted that there's not like an easy way to kind of bring everybody sort of back to center. Yeah. And then what is that center? Cause that's moving around all the time and who's tracking that. Yeah. Well, and it, yeah, everything is, is very, uh, polarized right mm-hmm. now. I mean, at the same time, great things have happened. If you're in the middle of a very isolated family that is just keeping you in a little box and you find access to Twitter, and you happen to be like gay or transgendered, you can immediately find people who are amazingly supportive and have gone through your journey and you're not alone. Oh yeah, yeah, I there are definitely like loads of positives about the whole thing. And I think it's, it's very important, especially like sort of during your formative years to be able to, to find out that, you know, there are many, many, many viewpoints out there and the one that you were exposed to isn't necessarily the only or correct one. And so if you don't feel like that's the thing that that suits you, uh, you're able to kind of explore what else is out there and and become more educated about those things if that's really something you're interested in doing. Yeah, and that's that's sort of the extension. So I guess some tools that people can have to like better their social media experience if you're trying to widen your horizons and stay out of your bubble. Uh, one of the big things I found is when somebody says a statement or a half opinion, which is like half statement, half opinion. Um, Whatever they say, you don't have to think about it as though this person is challenging my belief. Like no one's challenging your belief. They're probably not talking to Mm -hmm. you. Uh, What you can think of it as is, this is the thing this person believes. 
And and if you think about it like that, then first of all, it kind of humanizes the person. Like there, there are people who will make mistakes and have their own ideas and their own experiences and awful to think. But sometimes if we had that same experience, we would think the same thing. Um, or good to think, depending on what that, what that opinion is. Right. Um, so, I mean, they're not always challenging you specifically. They're just saying something that either might need a gentle correction, like maybe they don't have the right information or they, uh, that's just what they believe. And, and maybe it's, it's worth exploring why they believe a certain thing. And I'm, I mean, just for any disagreement you might have, it may be more important to understand why someone believes something than to try to change their mind to what you think, because that's never going to work. And, and that's just frustrating. The fact, the fact that I can't control what people think is frustrating for any human being because <laughs> we're socially networked to try to make everyone believe kind of the same thing to build a group cohesion, which is more important to us than truth sometimes. But you, you have to make sure you're thinking about it in terms of this is the thing they believe and not this person is challenging my belief system. At the same time, when that does happen, like... I think a lot of people's first instincts is, oh, I need to respond to this person and tell them that they're wrong. And there are a couple issues with that approach, right? Uh, first of all, nobody likes to be called out in public. Like, I don't, I'm convinced nobody enjoys that unless they're specifically looking for a fight and then you've already lost, right? Because they all they <laughs> want to do is argue. But yeah, then here we go. Yeah. But if somebody just like, makes an honest tweet about their opinion and your thought is, Oh, I don't, I don't agree with this and I don't understand why they think this. Like, I guess the first section of that decision tree is, is this even a person I know, or is it just a random person on my timeline? Mm -hmm. And then the next step is if this is a person I know and care about, how strongly do I disagree with this? Because that's going to determine then do I engage with them and then if I engage with them, it's not going to be on Twitter anyway. It's going to be somewhere else because if they're a person that I know, then I have the means to talk to them directly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can see the benefit of calling out public figures. Like when when a, a congressperson or, or somebody like that says something that's misinformed and people are like, quote, tweeting that and saying, no, actually, here's what it is. I think that's really important. When it's an individual... Uh, especially someone with like a modest number of followers who's not really a public figure in the fandom, they're just a person who is typing out a thought, then mm -hmm. it's probably better to show a little more discretion instead of just jumping on their back. I think I, I developed this like little litmus test in my head. And I did this during Ferguson. If you remember Ferguson, that was my first social media experience of about 48 to 72 hours where the fandom stopped mostly being cute, fuzzy animals and had a lot of feelings and opinions and beliefs and facts. Mm -hmm. Right. It just transitioned from like furry Twitter to like reaction to this, to this big, big tragic event. So normal Twitter, normal, normal Twitter, probably actually that's probably more what, more what it is. Um, and I, I think what I came up with in my head was, uh, if someone I felt was very off base and they were wrong, uh, do I need to correct them? Is, is that important to me? Kind of came from a number of things. And the first thing was, is anyone listening to them? Right. That's, that's the most important part. If someone is just saying like a really hateful or awful thing, and this, I just extend generally to every, every debate. Uh, if they're saying that something awful that you know is awful and would be seen by most people as awful, mm -hmm. 
if it's not getting any traction, they don't have a lot of followers, there's no engagement really, uh, then you can ignore it. They're talking to the void. You're not going to fix every person with a bad opinion. Right. Right. So you can just let that go. Um, this is for strangers, mind you. If it's your friend, then you have to factor that kind of thing. Yeah. That's much more difficult when it's your friend. Uh, and then a second thing is how how passionate are they about this belief? If it's somebody who's going to say this thing like they're passionate, but you can kind of tell that they're just saying it because it's the whim of the moment and they don't actually care, let it go. Like they're done with it in 24 hours and nothing's changed in the world. Uh, and, and I think third is sort of a combination of the first two things, but how persuasive are they? Because when you're arguing with somebody on social media, you're, they're not your audience for the most part. Like they're not going to change their minds. Very rarely have I ever seen that. Your audience is everybody reading that comment chain. Right. You're, you're talking to them. You're having a debate with this person on stage where the audience may be agreeing with the original speaker and now you're providing a counterpoint to it. And that's helpful sometimes. Um, so kind of you hit those three points of, do they have any influence at all? Do they actually care about this at all? And uh, finally, like, are they actually, do you think they're persuading other people? Mm -hmm. that, that should kind of educate your decision of whether or not you should really jump into this debate. And what I hate about the call out thing that you just said was, so many times I've seen people grab an opinion that was so, it's such a small minded, very minusculely held opinion that no one believes and no one follows this person. And I don't know if they care about it because oftentimes they just say this in an emotional like moment of, I wish people would pay attention to me. And somebody gives them a ginormous platform and puts a retweet and a call out. And what you did was just change column one from nobody cares or is listening to this to a lot of people suddenly care and are listening to this. Like, why would you change that calculus? You just lost your own argument by creating more power for it for the other side. I think another huge factor to consider is is the, the difference between uh, like followers that this person might have versus followers you might have, because especially in your case, there are very few instances where this wouldn't be sort of a, a punching down sort of thing. Right. And yeah, like you said, to give any sort of exposure to this argument just makes it or, or to their tweet just makes it more prevalent and works against you. Yeah. And it just and you might not think it looks bad, but like, let's say, like, if somebody retweeted something I said and said, this guy is an awful person and they had 300 followers or, or 2000 followers, like it's not nearly as negatively effective as if I did the same thing to somebody else. I don't think I've ever done that and I don't ever want to. Right. And, and you have to remember if you choose to do that, there's a lot of people on Twitter who don't respond to you, who follow you, or will see a retweet of it, who don't make the judgment on the person that you're calling out. They might, but they're also making a judgment about you because you're dangerous now. Yeah. I think it's, it's really important to be careful with that too, because, uh, Either you become a person who does it all the time and that's its own issue because like to make that your brand is so toxic, but alternately, like if you're doing it extremely sparingly, then when you do do it, it better be something like super important, like to the point where your followers can see, oh, I, I can understand why they couldn't just sit idly and, and let this continue. 
because uh, if they can't if they can't kind of empathize with that, then it goes back to your statement about uh, becoming dangerous. Well, yeah, because you start looking dangerous to other people, and they start making judgments. They might make judgments both that you want and about you, and you don't want them making judgments about you, even if you don't care about your feelings or your perception. A lot of people don't, right? But because you're no longer effective as a platform to them. Right. Like they'll say your name. They'll see you saying something. They might read what you say, but they might just say like, I don't like this person. It doesn't feel good. Uh, so you lose a lot of your power. Um, and then secondly, I think more important than that even is if you're calling out something that had a very small platform before you, you're losing your own argument. Um, now I understand there are two rings. I, I try should add on to my criteria for if you should respond to something. Um, I think if it's kind of on balance, then you always have the, if I don't respond to this, is it normalizing it, right? That's always a worry. If, if everyone's responding positively or generally okay with something that probably shouldn't be, it's worth providing some counter argument in the most constructive and persuasive way you can come up with because the audience who may not have formed an opinion may feel that this is a good opinion based on reading that. Yeah, that's definitely a, th uh, a thought that's occurred to me as well. And I think that goes back to kind of your brand on Twitter, right? Uh, whether you spend a lot of time just being funny and doing drawings or whatever, uh, or more on current events and kind of social commentary, that kind of influences obviously what you're generally talking about. And so if you're going to break character like that and, and go out on a limb to talk about something, like it's got to be something that's important to you, first of all, because you can't just start doing it all the time because it, that evolves away from what you were doing before and the reason that people were paying attention to you. And this isn't because like the main reason people say that is like, I just want to see cute furry animals. That's what you supply me with. Right. It's not because we're saying like, you shouldn't talk about real life or this isn't important. It's because your user base is going to shift away from you. Yeah. Because they're following you for a reason. And some of them will stay because they like the new reason too. But if you kind of complicate what you're putting out, yep. Uh, you're gonna, it's gonna move around. Yeah. So if you use it sparingly, then you have a good platform. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Because when you do it that way, it, I think it's also more impactful because they're like, oh, he's being genuine about something. I should probably just at least consider what he's talking about. Um, whereas if you're always being dramatic about about whatever is currently happening, then that's a that's an entirely different thing. Uh, man, I am losing the thread on this. <laughs> Remember when we talked about stamina? Oh, stamina. Um, That's tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I I have a lot of friends who are conservative uh, who follow me on Twitter. And I know this because especially very early on, some of the first followers I had were I knew were conservative. Uh, and I know that because they would if I said something liberal, they would kind of sadly respond with like a little bit of a counter argument and then stop because they didn't want to get into it. And I you know, and that's kind of all, everyone's followers. If you have a lot of them and you're not political are probably a mix, mm -hmm. right? They like they like something that you do that's not politics because clearly your politics kind of hurt their feelings a little bit, or um, just remind them that you know not everyone agrees with them. So it's just it's just a matter of if you change your output, your audience is going to change with the output. Yeah, slowly. Yeah, slowly, but it is going to change with that output, uh, which is why it has to be important. And that, and it, by all means, if like this is what you want your your account to be now move it move it to that because that's that's what's going to be important and you, what you're saying is you have to really care about it you have to care about it because now you have to live it right because if you go back to cute animal stuff it shifts again yep people will people don't care about that stuff who you picked up now and you you lose other people and that's okay that's okay 
Um, oftentimes you don't actually care about politically persuading people who aren't politically engaged because they've opted out. They're not going to do it. Even if they did believe it, like they wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't vote. Uh, and engaging people to actually care about the system is one of the most difficult tasks out there. I mean, both parties have been trying to to get in that game for a long time. Well, yeah, and that that's a great in uh, example of, of kind of what I was talking about or what, what we were both talking about, where uh, if you don't say anything, it looks like you're going along with it. So you feel like you have to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, but this goes also back to that point, like that something doesn't have to be a call out of somebody else. You can just post a thought. And that's often a less volatile way to to have that sort of conversation. So if you see that somebody said something that you, you don't agree with, especially somebody who isn't getting a lot of traction, but you still feel really strongly about it, just make a new tweet. Don't respond to them. <laughs> don't don't directly reference them. Just say a new thing that just encompasses your thoughts. Be concise about it. Be genuine but that I think is a, a sort of middle ground to avoid getting in an argument, but also still kind of uh, reaffirming your position on things. And I'll, and I'll give you an example of this and I'll give you an example where I saw this work better. So the example of the worst example I saw this year for a call out making an issue that didn't need to exist, that made it exist because people assume once people are talking about it, something awful must be happening. So this was where somebody said, if you're over 30, you need to get out of the fandom. So the base of this account was somebody who was not like, I've thought about this for a long time and I feel this is the right way to go. It was just kind of a, someone who got hurt recently and they really wanted some kind of attention and they just kind of made like a tweet that most people use their Twitter for, which is like a venting, like, I hate this stupid thing. Mm-hmm. Except somebody found it somehow. They picked it up, they called it out and... They said, this is not okay. And this is not the right way. So, and then for, because nobody saw that the source was this one thing, like they had just seen that the source was other people being outraged. uh, The whole world was outraged and united outrage against this perceived like huge side of the fandom that wanted this other thing. When really it's just this one guy who doesn't even really believe it. Right. And the guy was like, I'm sorry. I have, I was, but I don't know. I don't, I'm not using Twitter anymore. <laughs> right. So that's not the, that's not the attention you want. Like nobody wants to be dogpiled on. That doesn't feel good. Even if you want attention. Right. That was an awful sort of moment to me in furry Twitter because everything broke. It was, it was like, it was like having a huge immune system response to not even like, it was basically an allergy. Right. Right. If you consider the fandom right reaction to social bad as an immune system response, this was an allergy and we have allergies and it's, it creates these symptoms. It wastes our time. It wastes our resources. And it's because these call out people are using their powers for just the worst. And I know they feel like they're right. I know they feel like, you know what? I'm making a point here and that's good. Your point is good. The way you did it created a reaction that got nothing you wanted. Now we saw it again recently where, well, I guess the, the the way it came out was different. I think a lot of women were sharing stories about you have all of these like th- these things on Hollywood people with, with political people. Um, you have process stories on Politico about how they're dealing with the sexual harassment policies in Capitol Hill and how outdated they are. And I think most interesting about that is the world is now so interconnected that when politics blows up like this, Hollywood blows up like this, and they're both going at the same time. And all these other things, these companies are having these issues because women feel like 
this is a good time now for me to come out right. and talk about my experiences because I have an army of people interconnected behind me. So that's, right. that's really neat. And so in the fandom, because every larger issue seems to have like a fandom sort of um, corollary. And so in the fandom, you have women saying, gosh, it's really hard to be female in the furry fandom. And I've always heard women tell stories of like guys who meet them and thought they were guys because they might play a more male character or androgynous character online. Sure. Saw they were women, froze up, couldn't say anything, maybe said something mean and left. You know, and part of that's just a lot of these guys aren't socialized to handle women. Like once you're in the fandom for a little while, yeah. especially if you're younger and you get in there real young, you are not socialized to handle women, which are a different personality and energy. Mm-hmm. It's a good personality and energy, but it's different. So I think this came out in a more supportive way in that people weren't saying like, this isn't right or don't do this. Like people were saying like, I really support and love that we have women in the fandom. I like the diversity. Um, and and I think that's so important that we have that. But I guess it's also odd for us that, and this is weird to say, but in conventions, you almost have all your women segregated, right? Because if you go in a dealer's den, mostly women, right? <laughs> you leave the dealer's den, mostly men, right? And that's not like a weird sort of thing we do on purpose, but the women tend to be artists in the fandom. Mm-hmm. So most of the artists in the fandom tend to be women. And, and that, I mean, not all for sure. There's a lot of great male artists. But that's and that's kind of it makes it difficult for the artists who are furries oftentimes to get out and interact with their male counterparts in furry, partly because furry has such a weird relationship with its artists. Like they never actually know, like there's this weird sort of like we kind of revere them, kind of hero worship them. You kind of put them on a a pillar. You kind of don't see them as people. You see them as machines that create this beautiful artwork. Uh, There's a lot of weird complications that go just with being an artist. But also with being a woman, it's difficult. So I like that the response this time around was less about how we shouldn't act and more about being supportive about how we should act. That would probably be the best possible thing for fighting these weird societal allergies we're creating is instead of damning what you don't like, oftentimes when there's not a fight to be had, it's helpful to be supportive of the good parts. So that people who are younger and people who don't know yet and people who are on the fence about how to feel about these things can see that this is a positive statement. And when you run across a positive statement on Twitter, it will tend to get a bunch of traction because people feel that way and it resonates with Mm -hmm. them. And if they see that that's getting a lot of positivity, they'll want to be part of that positivity. And it just kind of feeds into itself. And it's just such a social good when it's handled that way. When you handle it in a don't do it way, it's negative. Even if you believe in it, it's still a negative feeling. When you handle it in a positive way, it supports and feeds that that behavior. It's it's tricky. This is such a cultural revolution. We are seeing, I think, one of the biggest major cultural revolutions in the history of society, and it's moving so fast. It's a fascinating and also terrifying sensation. And all you can do to kind of get through the day is just sort of hope for the best, right? And and enjoy the interactions that you do have that aren't flaming dumpster fires yeah and maybe reach out to someone you don't understand and reach out to someone unfamiliar and you can be honest and say like be honest be like i i don't feel comfortable but i want to have this interaction like i want to be better at this or even if it's somebody you know that that you don't share a viewpoint with talk to them about it versus going uh going out and trying to just discredit them on twitter and talking about how how bad of a person they are yeah i wouldn't engage all of them some of them are just awful people that don't need to be engaged with but but yeah no i know i i think you still need to be selective about it 
Uh, but I think like it goes back to the whole calling out thing. Like, don't make a brand out of just calling people out because then, you know, first of all, it loses all effectiveness if you're doing it constantly. And second of all, uh, nobody is going to want to hang out with you because you could you never know or they never know if they're going to say something that'll set you off. I, I wouldn't go that far. I would actually go with that second part. That would be I would if I was friends with somebody who constantly called people out. And that's what they're known for. Even if they stopped, I would forever be worried about this person. I know like the counterpoint to that is like, well, if you're not saying anything wrong, they won't do it. But that's not necessarily true. Like what they believe to be right and wrong, you're not privy to their justice system in their head. Like you don't know. And and even more so, like, uh, especially if these people are on like the bleeding edge of what is right and wrong in society today, because that's such a quickly moving target. You know, if you're if you're older Sometimes you're a little bit behind the curve for for things like that. So it's, you know, that's that's tricky too. And sometimes you have to be a little patient with people while you kind of inform them like this is where we've moved to now. Mm-hmm. So this isn't funny anymore. And that is definitely like that's a, a big task, right? Because on both sides, you're going to get pushback. But it's so much better to try to approach it that way and be like, hey, I don't like this and here's why. Or I, I think this is a thing you need to like maybe like try to curb and, and here are the reasons that it's not kind of a cool thing. Because, yeah, I think that the natural instinct is to be defensive anytime somebody brings that sort of thing up. Right. Yeah. But the gentler you can do it, the more tactful you can be, the better chance you have of, of being able to kind of help that person improve yeah and the reality is the only way you're going to be able to help them improve is by being their friend um i think maybe we should wrap it up all right uh we did not talk about either of the topics that we were going to no but, but i like instead, what we talked about that was good we did talk about good stuff though uh yeah or bad stuff well interesting stuff hopefully yeah happy holidays everyone no oh you can't do that podcast is canceled okay well thanks everyone yeah you tried (laughs) you got past minute 16 yeah thanks to our hashtag minute 16ers (laughs) this has been animal noises a name that will i will get better at like saying without having to think about it first Uh uh-huh and i have been ringer uh this is tough good job you did it i did it thank you for listening thank you see you next time